You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. I'm sure all of you are familiar with the old saying, and you probably have even heard it here, you can't put God in a box. You can't put God in a box. What does this mean? Well, for one thing, God is outside our limits. He's outside our parameters. He's outside our finite minds. He's the creator of the universe, and He doesn't go by natural laws. And we have to come under to an understanding of just how how unfathomably His love is for us. Chances are, you've heard it said that you can't put God in a box. Combine that with God's unfathomable love for us, and we've got a recipe for infinite surprises. In today's message, Pastor Dave reflects on the ways in which Jesus constantly caught His disciples off guard as they tried so desperately to have Him figured out. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 11. As he begins his message, Jesus confounds His disciples. You are in our study in the Gospel of John. We are in chapter 11. Last week we did six verses, and this week we're going to remain here up to verse 16. So turn into your Bibles to John 11. We're going to uh, read the first, first through 16 verses and see what God wants to do. My voice is raspy. It must be fall. So there we are. Hopefully you've found your way to John 11, Give you a hint, it's sandwiched between John 10 and John 12. So just a small hint there, all right? We're going to read verses 1 through 16. I know we did the first six verses last week, but I want to just read these verses, okay? So if I read aloud, won't you read along silently, please? John 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. 
And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also go that we may die with him. So has anyone ever confounded you? I heard a chuckle there. When someone confounds you or when you are confounded by someone, it basically means that they surprised you or they confused you by acting against your expectations. In other words, they acted differently than you expected them to. And this confounds you. You don't understand it. Now, throughout the gospel, we see Jesus confounding his disciples many, many, many times. And most of the time, the disciples did not understand his actions. They were confused and even bewildered. And I'm sure that just the thought time they thought, we got them figured out now, he changed his tactics. And they were like, what? Let me give you three examples. The blind men that he met. He healed the blind men three different ways, three different times. And every time the disciples thought, watch this, he's going to do this, he did something differently. Now, in the beautiful Bartimaeus in Mark 10, he walked up to him and just spoke, be healed. And he was healed. Your faith has healed you. In Mark 8, Jesus took another man outside the city gates, and when he got him to a place... He spit in his eye. He was healed. And then you remember just recently, a while back, we studied chapter 9 of John. Jesus came to the blind man, spit on the ground, put some dirt in it, made some clay, shoved it in the guy's eyes, and then he said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash and you will be healed. So he did things differently each time. And I can imagine the disciples, what's he doing now? Can you believe he just spit that guy's eye? What is this all about? Why did he do it differently each time? Well, I'm sure all of you are familiar with the old saying, and you probably have even heard it here, you can't put God in a box. You can't put God in a box. What does this mean? Well, for one thing, God is outside our limits. He's outside our parameters. He's outside our finite minds. He's the creator of the universe, and he doesn't go by natural laws. And we have to come under to an understanding of just how, how unfathomably his love is for us in order to keep from putting him in a box. I mean, we fall for the trap, and we put limits on God all the time. God, you have to act this way. You can't act that way. It's got to be this way. We do that when we put human limits upon him based upon what we believe or what we don't believe, or when we trust in form and function, we're not giving way to the Holy Spirit. We're not allowed the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and do what the Holy Spirit does best in our lives. We're limiting God. We have placed him in a box and said, you can only act this way. Well, I hate to break the news to you, Christian, but God's not interested in our systems or our programs. He's interesting in one thing and one thing only, and that is your heart. That's where God's interest is most, in your heart. He wants you to be caught up in the excitement about who he is, what he has done, 
what he's doing now, and certainly what he will be able to do in the future. And that's what he wants. He wants you to be delighted in his power. He wants you to be delighted in his strength. He wants to be delighted in his ability. He wants you to be delighted in the provisions that he provides for you. And most importantly, he wants you to be delighted in his love, in his beautiful, beautiful love. We have to have a big view of God. How big is your God? We have to have a big view of God. And we cannot tie him down. We can't tie him down. We can't exalt ourselves and our abilities and our ideas and our plans and our agendas. We must give him full authority. We must yield to his authority. I truly surrender to you, Lord. Not my will, but your will. We must depend on him. We must allow him to fill us afresh with his spirit. We must open up our hearts and let him lead us. Let him guide us. Let him show us the truth. We must step out in faith and let him sustain us. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it, but God is bigger than our circumstances. He's bigger than our fears. He's bigger than our plans, and he's even bigger than our ambitions. In fact, in Ephesians 3.20, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can even ask or imagine. Wow. God is so big, he fills the world up, down, bottom, left, right, all over. There's no direction you can go and escape God. Read Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? You can't escape God's presence. You can't escape his love. Why? Because he is love. And since he's everywhere, his love is everywhere. There is no place where God cannot work. There is no soul in which God cannot save. There is no soul that doesn't deserve salvation from God. There's no place where we're too far away from God to hear him. There's no sin that is so low and so deep that God can't heal, that God can't forgive. Even in the good times, we're on the highest of highs, when we're on the mountaintops, when we're on the mountaintops, God's love there to keep us from pride and arrogance, thinking as if it was something we did. It was God all along. God's love can reach us at all times, in all ways, and in all places. We can't escape its reach. We can't escape its grasp and on the power because it's everywhere. God's love is on our side. <laughs> His love is on our side. He's not looking to thump you. When you make a mistake, it doesn't say, oh, got to pull out the wooden spoon now, pal. That's not what God does. Yes, there might be consequences, but that's the, the consequences are out of love, just like a father and mother punish their children out of love. But God's love is so much greater, so much purer, so much more wonderful than that. We, he wants us to honor him. He wants to honor him with our actions, with our motives, and with our hearts. He's there to empower us to do, his, to do ministry, to give him glory and praise. There is strength in him. And he wants to impart that strength upon you. He wants to give you that strength and do for you what we cannot do for ourselves. Think about the riches of his love. Think about his grace. Think about his strength. Thinking about his power. And none of this ever runs out. It is always available for you. God's supply never runs dry. It is always there for you, always open for you to grasp from. 
And although he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, praise God, we cannot expect him to act in the same manner any, every time. Why? Because he acts according to his purposes. He acts according to his purposes. And when we expect him to act in a certain way, we limit his ability. Oh God, you can only do it this way. We're all praying for our prodigals. We want our prodigals to come home to the Lord. But we have a design motive in our head how they're supposed to come home. We need to pray, Lord, whatever it takes, get them back. We don't know what that could be. We don't really know what that could be. But that should be our prayer. That should be our prayer. And when he doesn't act the way we expect, we become confounded. We become confused and bewildered, and we're surprised. I thought you were going to act this way, Lord. Why didn't you act this way? We must never lose sight of how big and powerful and loving our God is. Just when we think we can come to grasp of God's love, may he show us how big he is. Just when we think we have done all that God desires through us, may he show us that there's still more to do. And just when we think that we're able to, beyond the ability and, and faithfulness, may God show us that his resources are overflowing and constantly coming towards us, giving us power to even do more. And just when we think we've sinned too many times to go back, may we run back into his forever forgiving arms and receive his blessing through Jesus Christ. May we never minimize God or lose our first love for him. But I see that happening in our study today. I see the disciples becoming confounded. They become confused. Remember, chapter 11 is all about faith. God wants to strengthen the faith of the disciples. He wants to strengthen the faith of Mary and Martha. He wants to strengthen the faith of Lazarus. He wants to strengthen the faith of those that are looking in. And he wants to strengthen your faith as well today. That's what God wants to do through chapter 11. And we bring all glory to God for doing that for us. Jesus has a purpose for everything. Nothing he does is ever wasted. No time of Jesus's is ever wasted. No effort of Jesus is ever wasted. There is always a purpose and there is always a plan for what he wants to do. Remember that. Last week we ended our study as Jesus reacted to the news. He had received from a messenger that his dear friend, the one he loved, Lazarus, was sick. Was sick. And we read, let's, let's reread 5 and 6. Well, let's read 4, 5, and 6. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. This is the first way you find the disciples confounded. They're confounded. And maybe you might be confounded with the same way. Jesus, your words don't seem to be matching your actions here, Savior, Master, Rabbi. You said you loved Martha. You loved Mary and you loved Lazarus. But you're waiting two days to go to them. What gives? What's wrong? I'm confused. I don't understand what's happening. Why are you waiting two days? What's the problem? 
But we need to believe what Jesus said. He loved Martha, he loved her sister, and he loved Lazarus. God, Jesus, does all things out of love. Everything he does is done by, through love. Everything. As we discussed last week, this is tough to handle. This is tough to handle. He loves them, but he stayed two more days. When, when you've gone to God for help, and you've cried out to him, you've opened your soul to him, and you've asked him for help, and you desperately need it, and your heart is breaking for something that happened, or someone, and you want God to intervene, but you hear absolutely nothing. Everything is silent. There is no word. It's a tough place to be. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but it has happened to me. And when it happens, unfortunately, my flesh interprets it as God's delays are now his denials. He didn't answer my prayer. Prayer doesn't work, pal. Don't pray. God doesn't answer prayer. What's the use? I've tried it. I give up. God doesn't answer me. This is the usual reaction. And with a shameful heart, I have to admit to you that I've felt this way sometimes. But what is this telling us? It's telling us that God's delay is not a sign of his indifference towards us. His delay is not a sign of his indifference towards us, nor is it a sign of his denial or his failure to hear. Because we read throughout Scripture that God hears, God sees, God knows, God speaks. We know those things. It's actually a sign of his love. It's actually a sign of his love. The delay will help us. It won't hurt us. It will make us stronger. It will make our faith grow. And that's the whole purpose of what Jesus is trying to do in this situation right here. The ultimate outcome of God's work will be God being glorified. And your faith will grow. Praise God. But it's a hard lesson. And you might have struggled with this many times. I have too. Listen to what this Christian writer wrote. I love it. Listen to this. Quote, loneliness, loss, pain, sorrow, these are disciplines. They are God's gift to drive us to his very heart, to increase our capacity for him, to sharpen our sensitivities and understanding, to temper our spiritual lives so that they will become channels of his mercy to others and so bear fruit for his kingdom, unquote. I like that. God's delays are done out of his love with a purpose. God has a purpose and a plan. So Jesus told the messenger who was there, this sickness is not unto death. And I'm sure as soon as the messenger heard that, he turned around and lickety-split, he went back to Bethany, which remember, we said was about two days away, 20 miles. If you ran, you could probably make it in one long day, but it was about two days' journey. What do you suppose the messenger felt when he got back to Bethany only to find out that guess what? Lazarus was dead. What do you think his reaction was? Wait a minute. He said the sickness was not unto death. And he's been dead for several days. What do you think the reaction was of Mary and Martha when they heard this? Lord, the Lord said that the sickness is not unto death. Uh, you better look in the other room. Lazarus was dead. What was their reaction? How do you think they felt? Not only would there be heartbreak caused by the loss of their dear brother, compounded upon that now was the doubt of who Jesus was. Is he really who he says he is? 
Did he make a mistake? Maybe he overcalculated. Is Jesus really the Messiah? Wait a minute. Something's amiss here. Their minds were filled with crazy thoughts. Their hearts were broken. Did we wrongly think about him? Maybe he's not who he says he is. What's going on? My gosh, they began to doubt about his capacity. They had doubt about his ability, and they doubted about his position. Is this the Son of God? Would the Son of God do this? Wow. Maybe you've never felt that way. But they were confounded too. They were confused. They were confused. Their hearts and minds were filled with unbelief. Their hearts and minds were filled with doubts. And this could have driven them to spare. And it could have driven them away from Jesus. One of my prayers when I'm doing a funeral for someone, one of my prayers is that the death of their loved one would not drive them away from Jesus, but in turn would drive them to Jesus. Because he is the great healer. He heals the brokenhearted. He's healed my heart and continues to heal my heart. He heals those who are brokenhearted. Where was Jesus? He said he loved us, and he left us out in the lurch. Lazarus is dead. Where's our Savior? Two days later, two days later, we read in verse 7, then after this, after two days, he, Jesus, said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Let's go to Judea. Now, it is not recorded here. We do read where the, 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 somebody said, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? I'm thinking it was Peter. I'm thinking it was Peter who stepped up and said, what are you, crazy? They want to kill you. Last time we were there, they had stones in their hands. And you want to go back again? What, what, what's happening here? See, when God does things we don't understand, it's hard to figure him out. It's hard to put him in, in a box. It's hard to figure him out. What are you doing, Lord? It's way beyond us. We don't know what's going on. These things baffle us, and they causes us to get discouraged at times. And when they do, they reveal just how little we understand about who God is. We can't let this happen to us. Why? Because God always acts in perfect accord with the situation. He always acts in perfect accord with the situation and in perfect accord with his process and his purpose for what's going on. We have to remember that God is sovereign. The sovereignty of God comes into play here, folks. We have to remember God is a sovereign God. He doesn't suffer from the illusions and fantasies that we do. He does not have a purposeless life. All everything he does has a purpose. Everything he does, he doesn't pursue hopeless aims like we do. He acts in line with reality. And this also reveals to us some wonderful things about the way he thinks. You are a sure our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.